Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Episode 29 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I speak to Lucy Hearn. Lucy is a personal trainer, a running coach and a triathlete, and she works with the fitness and wellness app Oro. I wanted to speak to her because she basically knows everything about running. She is a goldmine of running information. Now that Holly and I are coming to the end of our training for our virtual half marathon, I wanted to speak to a trusted running coach to ask her all our questions and so that you could ask her your questions too. We put a shout out on social media to find out what you wanted to know from our expert and I asked the ones you sent in during the podcast. So this is a lovely practical session covering tapering, nutrition and training. She offers us all sage advice for people aiming to run a virtual race in the next few months, no matter what the distance. And we talk about the walk-run method and she explains how to use our rest days more smartly. We talk about the best distance for your last long run before a race and the best strategies for marathon training when you start upping your mileage. She also talks about the importance of a healthy menstrual cycle and she explains what the heck glycogen is, which is news to me. This episode is sponsored by Oro. Oro is a leading fitness and wellness app with over 700 on-demand workouts for home, gym or outdoors led by world-class trainers like Lucy. With the app, you get access to over 700 on-demand audio and video classes, and that's things like running, yoga, HIIT training and meditation. You also get training plans, running stats and hundreds of guides to help your running form and technique. And here's a very lovely thing. All Women's Running podcast listeners get unlimited access free to all of this for 30 days worth eleven ninety nine. To get this, go to www.auro.fit. That's A-U-R-O dot fit. Auro dot fit. And enter the code WR30 at the checkout. You'll be auto-enrolled for a monthly or annual plan after the trial ends. Excited. Oh, brilliant. Because, uh, yeah, so Holly and I, um, we only decided to start, sort of start doing it on the podcast um, in kind of November, I think. And I'd kind of, 
I hadn't bullied her. I'd say I nudged her into doing it again because <laughs> um, we both did it last year. And it was, I'd done the half before, but like 15 years ago, I think a yeah, long, long wow. time ago. Yeah. Hadn't done it for a long time. And um, uh, yeah, and I, I I thought that it'd be something nice for us both to train for. And there, there was a group of us that were doing it last year. Yeah. Um, but I knew that she wasn't massively happy with her performance on the day that she spent <clears throat> she spent some of that run not feeling great yeah. and um like the last bit um and also that we then we then immediately went into lockdown because it was on yeah. March the 15th and oh, wow. so yeah. she I don't think she was able to kind of like congratulate herself very much or yeah. digest it very well or kind or even of just go into the office and say to everybody I've done a half marathon yeah. and just have she that didn't. Kind of buzz of people yeah exactly because it was immediately it was like the day after because I remember I think she'd taken the day off after and I came in on that Monday and then the government at that point was saying if you can work from home work from home oh, so wow. I immediately yeah. whatsapped her and said don't come in tomorrow yeah. um so yeah that was the one of the last times I saw her um yeah so it was all yeah it was like her kind of fallout from it was such a it was such a shame and I just thought oh let's let's try and do this again because it would be so much nicer and, and things like that but yeah um, by the time that November came around again she dropped the run in so it was like, right. And it's been to... really interesting hearing her kind of getting back on it and kind of when you talk and then two weeks later, she's like, oh, I just hoped to do this. It didn't quite happen, but but it has all been happening. Like generally, yeah. it's all kind of going forward. So it's been really, really interesting for me as a coach as well to hear the hear from her side of things, because when I speak to my athletes, they've got all their questions and everything, but they probably don't tell me as much about the process of what's going on through their mind and everything so it's yeah. been really really interesting for me as a I found it really as interesting well. as well because a bit obviously the, the things that I enjoy about running are not necessarily the things that she enjoys about yeah. running so yeah. like you know I like the tempo stuff but she doesn't yeah but she likes hills and I think that's yeah she likes really hills and you like Bartlett. yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um well let's well, I guess we'll get into that in a little bit but um so I mean I guess I, I just immediately wanted to talk about you and your expertise if that's all right um because yep. <laughs> you're a personal trainer and a coach so you're you're all the things that we need you to be yep. you're a brilliant expert for for us runners um, but also for triathletes yes um so that's that's quite a lot of stuff that you, you do how did you get into that um so I I certainly wasn't the sporty kid at school. I wasn't the person who was, you know, on all the sports clubs and doing all the sport and everything by any means whatsoever. I was always active, but I certainly wasn't competitive and I certainly wasn't any good at anything. Um, but I, I think in 2012, I had quite a hard year in my life and I started getting into doing a little bit more. I set myself a few goals. I did this ABCD training thing as a fundraising thing. So I, I can't remember. I wrote, I ran the Crystal Palace Marathon that was my sorry Crystal Palace Triathlon which is a short triathlon that was my sea I swam in open water every month of the year but it just got me into doing physical activity and it got me through a hard point in my life and it awoke something in me that I hadn't felt before just this excitement and and connection to the outdoors as well like it was very much about getting out into the open space you know when you're feeling low you just want to stay at home under the duvet and it was about forcing myself to get out there and do stuff and from there, I kind of never looked back. And I wanted uh, that same sort of thing that lots of people have. I want other, everybody to know about this. I want everybody to be able to feel the joy that I felt. And so I started doing a personal training qualification. 
um, which I found very quickly was all about weights in the gym and nothing about running and all the things I loved and felt like an absolute idiot going, I don't understand all these bicep curls and everything that everybody else is on about. Um, but from that, I got my kind of understanding of the anatomy, which has obviously helped me a lot through my job since then. Um, and sort of went from there and then started working with my local triathlon club, doing a few coaching sessions with them and then got more and more into it to the point that I handed in my notice in a well-paid job and and started working as a personal trainer and triathlon coach and, and run coach and sort of taking it from there. And I think my passion comes. I work with some people who are doing sort of high level events and stuff, but my real passion is working with people who have a goal that they don't think they're going to be able to do and work with them to realize that goal and that could be you know qualifying to, to represent GB as a as an age group athlete or something but for me it's much more the person doing their first 5k or their first half marathon and showing them just the simple things that they can change that will make their training so much more effective so that they get more out of it it might not be about a PB but it might be about crossing that finish line with a smile on their face rather than feeling like they need to dive into the nearest bush and be sick or whatever <laughs> um so yeah and from there just kind of carried on on working um trying to help people to see how they can improve their own training and my goal is never really that they're going to be stuck with me for life I want them to then be able to be empowered to be able to do that themselves so uh, what what were you doing before you became personal trainer <laughs> I was working for development charities trying to change government policy on climate change and on women's rights so and, you know, my thing has always been about trying to create change in the world. And I went into those jobs very much because I wanted to create that big level macro change. I was like, what's the point in individual change? I want to be able to create big change. But if you work on climate change for as many years as I did, you know, very rewarding in some ways. But you have absolutely no idea what difference you've made, if at all. And this is, you know, 10 years ago when it wasn't such a big issue as it is now. It definitely was a big issue. It wasn't in the public consciousness in the same degree. Mm. Um and I just got disillusioned and felt I can't tell the difference I'm making, whereas now I can work with an individual person and I can see the difference that I'm making or helping them make in their own life on a day to day basis. And it still does come back to that climate change stuff as well. You know, connecting people to the outdoors, getting people like, you know, back at the beginning of lockdown and everybody's like, oh, I can hear the birds and I can see the flowers and actually just learning to appreciate nature we then have a greater respect for it so not in any way saying I can achieve the same level of change that I was in my in my previous jobs but I do very much kind of try and get people to appreciate the world around them and hopefully that helps to generate a long-term change on that as well and you said about um working with uh, for women's rights mm. and there was something that you said in in your in your biography and you said that you you're passionate about working with women yeah. as women rather than kind of adopt a, adapting kind of men's needs to suit them yeah 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 yeah. um so so why do you think like that what's what's so important I mean I I'm passionate about women's rights whether that's about you know global human justice issues whether that's about the fact that there should be women should feel empowered to go cycling in the same way as men do you know you go to any cycle club in the UK and you'll see it as predominantly men and women often don't feel that as a safe space to go to slightly less so in running I think I think cycling tends to be so much about kit and going fast and you can get dropped on a ride and women worry about that often completely um, without needing to they're often the fastest 
strongest in the group, but they just they get too worried about it. And I'm generalizing. I'm not in any way saying that all women lack that confidence. But generally, if you look at all the studies, we'll see that women generally do have a bit less confidence. That's that whole thing when women apply for a job, they feel that they have to have 100 percent of all the attributes, whereas a man will apply for it. I can't remember the numbers, but, you know, with far less of those boxes ticked. So we always feel that we have to be perfect to everything to give it a go, which sometimes holds us back or sometimes means when we finally do it, we do it amazingly and show show all those men how great we are. Um, but so I'm very kind of aware of those different gender dynamics and whether I'm involved in a triathlon club, a cycling club, I'm always the one kind of waving the, waving the flag for let's make sure that this, we're aware of how different people, whether it's because they're a different gender, different race, whatever, however they feel, see this space and let's make it as welcoming as we can. Um, but then specifically in my coaching, I'm just very aware that so much research historically has always been based on men. There used to be laws saying that we couldn't do research on women because, God forbid, you know, we might get in the way of, um, you know, um, women's duty to bear babies and things. So um, and, you know, those laws don't exist, but the historical side of it's still there. So historically, lots of research was done on men rather than women. And we are different. We we, you know, from a physiological point of view, we are different hormonally. We're different it's a lot harder to do research on women because you have to control for the different stages that a woman would be in her menstrual cycle so you can't just say take a woman on day one and let's do this study we have to know which part of her menstrual cycle she's in would that have affected it but people always use that as an excuse not to do the research on women whereas I'm like that's the exact point we have to do the research because I'm that woman living with a menstrual cycle and those changing hormones and the thing that you're telling me I should do whether it's eat this carb-based drink while I'm training or whatever it will have a different, it potentially will have a different impact on me just through different parts of my training of, of my menstrual cycle. So I want you to do that research. So I, I have that evidence to take into account. Um, so, I mean, so, so why do I think that we need to address women as women? Because we are different to men, whether it's from a psychological point of view, whether it's from a hormonal point of view, whatever. And it doesn't mean we have to be treated differently, but we just have to understand there are those differences and know when it's appropriate just to think through things differently. And all the women I work with, you know, they're absolutely sick of me talking about their menstrual cycle. But one of the first things, A, have they got a healthy functioning menstrual cycle? If they don't, is that a sign of um, sort of um, energy deficiency or something that we need to be aware of and working on? Um, but if they do, not you know, some people will have a menstrual cycle that doesn't affect their training whatsoever. Some people just haven't realised that it does. So mm -hmm. tracking it, not to give you this big chip on your shoulder and go, oh my god, I'm you know I'm a woman and I have this this thing that happens to me once a month and it's awful. But just to be aware of it so that we're empowered to make a difference. So most of the women that I coach. I, I encourage most of my athletes to take a rest week every three to four weeks. And for women, particularly at this stage of the, um, the training cycle, where we're into a less intense side, it's probably OK to be doing it every four weeks. And so we'll just put that in tune with their with their um, menstrual cycle, which probably means that three to four days before their period's due, they start their rest week and three to four days after that, they finish it. And so it's got that room to move about a little bit if somebody cycles a bit off, but it just means we're not doing the hardest training when they probably don't feel at their best. Um, so yeah, just encouraging women to, to be more in, in tune with their menstrual cycle and see if their training could benefit by working around it or being in tune with a little, a little bit more. I think it's so important. I am... Um... I, from a very selfish perspective, which is mm. what most of the magazine is <laughs> is created from, um, it's all about finding out stuff for me. But um, from that, from my perspective, like I didn't really understand the impact of my menstrual cycle until I wanted to have kids, and 
so I think it's desperately important to to educate young women who yep. may not think that when they ovulate or you know what what stage they are in their their cycle will have any impact on their day-to-day life it's only now that I know precisely where I am in my cycle I know exactly what happens and I know how I'm supposed to and I, I check my period tracker and yep. think, oh right yes of course it's a week before that's why I feel this bad yeah so that, that sort of thing so to not beat myself up on on how I'm training because I can exactly. kind of usually associate it with with that yeah and it's it's empowering to some extent because we're stuck with those hormones but at least if we can go okay I know what's happening I know why it's happening and I know that if I just change my training this little bit rather than going I'm going to do that really hard session that's on my training plan because I always do it on a Tuesday or something go no it's a few days before my period I'm just going to go for an easy run instead that will that gentle exercise probably will help make me feel better if it doesn't then I can it I just won't do the session rather than going oh I tried to do that session that normally I can do in these times I just can't do it now and oh I'm a failure and all of that it's actually no there's a really good reason why you couldn't and if you're meant to be taking a rest a week every four weeks anyway or every three weeks then just make sure you have it around that time and you have you haven't lost anything from your training but you've just taken it easy and you've been a little bit kinder to yourself um, around that point so yeah yeah it's kind of it's giving us fewer opportunities to beat ourselves up yes (laughs) (laughs) yes and we need them especially right now we all need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves yeah I really did um so we uh, obviously I want to ask you about mine and Holly's training but um I wanted to we've got a few questions as well from from the audience yeah um and you know we just want to we're desperately wanting to pick your brains we need advice we need guidance (laughs) we need help um (laughs) so um our, so if we're talking about Holly and I's half marathon it's coming yep. up in about three and a bit weeks time exciting yeah I know I'm really excited and the last time <laughs> and you, you did smiled it, you didn't go ah <laughs> oh I love a half marathon so I am I yep. am actually really looking forward to it but um it's not a real life one it's a virtual one it is a real life one your legs are still running it <laughs> <laughs> that's very true actually <laughs> I hadn't thought about that um but what's lovely is that obviously we can we can um create our own course yep. um we don't have to run around bath twice we can we can do what we want yeah um so now that we are three and a half weeks away what should we be doing so i would say um the main things are making sure that you feel race ready um you've probably got one more long run to do and if you haven't planned that then don't suddenly change your plans now stick with what you've planned but most people would do for a half marathon would do their longest run the two weeks two weeks out from that half marathon so you've probably still got that longest run to do for that longest run or any kind of longest runs you have between now and and the race i would say it's all about a dress rehearsal so you should have an idea of what kind of pace you're planning to run at and I would be practicing that pace on that long run. I wouldn't necessarily do the whole of the run at that lot at that race pace. I would maybe be breaking it into three or four K. I'm sorry, I speak K. I know you're more of a miles, but um, three or four K, then a one K, not rest, but going a little bit easier. So you're not, you know, you're not trying to do the race before you do the race, but you're experimenting with that that pace. Call it your half marathon pace that you think you'll be able to hold on race day. And if you can't do it on that long training run, if it feels too fast, then probably it's too fast to try on race day as well. Now, on race day, you're going to be tapered. We'll talk about taper in a sec, but you're going to be tapered. You're going to be fresh. You've got all the excitement of it being race day. Even if you haven't got the crowd, you're still building yourself up for it. So arguably, you'll be able to push a bit harder on race day. But if you try a pace in in a few weeks time or in this weekend 
time and it feels too hard, then probably it's a bit too hard. And what you're aiming for in terms of your pace is to find a pace you can run the whole thing at. So rather than going out, we always feel great when we start off and we're all excited and we're fresh and everything. We go out way too fast. The most efficient way you can run is to run at a constant pace all the way through. So having an idea on what that is, and it'll probably feel stupidly slow at the beginning, but trying to keep to that easier pace at the beginning so that you can hold a constant pace all the way through. And there's always that temptation. I've done it myself a hundred times ago. But if I get as much out of the way as I can right now while I'm feeling fresh, then I've got less left to do. And we all think that. But we've we'll have gone too deep into our reserves. We'll have worked harder than our body is able to, or not we are able to do it, but it'll have a cost later on. So it's much more efficient to run at the same pace. Unless you're practicing a walk run, which I'll just cover off now in case people are thinking of walk run. Walk run is a brilliant way to get a good goal time. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll do it any slower. When I do Ironman, I do a walk run. I'll do about two kilometers running, 30 second walk, which is normally through the aid stations. But it gives me that mental thing to look forward to. It means my form stays good because rather than just kind of running and getting more and more into a hole, I'm able to kind of just refresh myself and I'll get a faster time by doing that so there's loads of research if you look up jeffing um you'll see lots of sort of studies of people who do various different walk run intervals so walk run definitely is a good idea if you're not sure that you can do the whole thing at the pace you want to but aside from that if you're not doing walk run then i would say generally you want to be running at the same pace all the way through so for, for, for this longest run that you've probably got coming up this weekend practice that race pace with a few easier running paces runs in between but tr- practice that race pace see if that's feeling achievable practice your nutrition so for a half marathon you don't need to be taking 10,000 gels with you at all but you want to make sure you're well fueled going into it so think about what you're going to have for breakfast think about and it's almost harder when it's your own race because everything's in your control and you could go oh it's a bit cloudy outside I'll go later I'll go later and suddenly you're like oh now it's I'm getting hungry I think I'll have lunch first but you know decide now what time of day you plan to be doing that run unless the heavens open and then think therefore what time do I need to have breakfast how long does it take to digest and what am I going to have for breakfast people always invariably whenever you look at any running magazines or anything will say best thing for breakfast on on race day or you know to fuel your run is a bagel with peanut butter I I love bagels and I love peanut butter but if I'm nervous and even for a virtual run I think you'll still have that nerves you'll have that excitement I cannot think of anything worse to get down something that's so dry and kind of cloying and everything so think through if you're feeling nervous especially if it's a real race but even on a virtual race if you're feeling nervous your stomach's feeling a bit unsettled what do you want to eat and if it is a peanut butter bagel go for it but otherwise (laughs) practice from now on what's your race day breakfast um for me it's normally porridge something like that if you if you haven't got time to make the porridge particularly if you're staying away somewhere um you know if you're doing a real life um half marathon race and you're staying in a hotel or something but overnight oats or something but practice in advance so you know what works for you what settles in your stomach and how long you need to leave it from eating through to running and then probably for a half marathon the faster you go the more energy you need to put into your body the slower you're going relatively the less energy but for most people you're probably going to need something before you get to the end um we normally store in our body about enough energy for about 90 minutes of exercise depending on what pace we're going at if we're going to do that half marathon in under 90 minutes we're running relatively fast and therefore we need energy and if we're going to do the half marathon in longer than 90 minutes we've burned through that 90 minute reserve so either way probably something doesn't have to be gels it could be jelly babies um you know um gummy bears something like that 
I know a lot of people use fruit like dates or figs. Personally, that would send me straight to the toilet. But again, <laughs> this is what your long runs are for. You practice it. You see what works for you. Um, and it's not about stuffing 10 gels down your throat. It's just making sure you've got that little bit of energy. People always go, oh, but I've been okay in all my training runs. Well, probably your training runs just didn't quite go to that point where you started to run out of energy. Um, but if you've got, especially if you're nervous, if you know that we you have an unsettled stomach normally, you don't want to be cramming something in that you're not used to. So again, long runs for practicing these things and don't just have it right at the end, have it sort of you know, in the middle of the run. So you get to feel what running with it feels like. Think through, and this is more for people who are doing marathons, but think through how you're going to carry it. People go, oh yes, I'm going to have a gel every half hour. And I'm like, okay, and where are you going to carry that? Oh, in my pockets. Really? Have you, have you tried that? <laughs> so try all that out. And then the other thing that is always an issue for people doing spring races, whether it's marathons or half marathons, is the weather suddenly changes. So you've done all your running in the freezing cold and thinking, how can I put more layers on? And then suddenly it's race day and you're like, oh, my God, it's really hot and I can't remember what I wear anymore. So starting to think that through, remembering that you're going to be running at race pace, so you are going to get warm. Do you have, you know, we always used to at marathons have the sort of um, bin bag over us that we chucked in a bin. You know, if you don't feel too much of an idiot going to wherever you're starting your race, maybe that or an old top that you don't use anymore. Or is there somebody who's going to come along and support you who you can throw it to? Um, I find uh, what do you call them buffs like snoods or whatever can keep mm -hmm. you really warm but don't take up a lot of space once you get too warm and want to take them off I just loop them around my wrist so maybe just a snood around your neck to keep you warm until you warm up and then take that off but think through what you're going to wear when it gets warmer because you really don't want to be boiling to death after after oh, all this God. training in the cold when you enjoy the sun <laughs> yeah I had exactly like the opposite but you're absolutely right like um the virtual London marathon last year yep oh my God what a day down. I know yep. it's awful <laughs> yeah and I'd spent all summer training you know exactly in shorts it and a vest it always happens like marathons are always that change of season moment whatever you've trained in is not what you get on race day I mean the normal marathon when it's normally in April is exactly the same everybody's had the winter and it's always a boy to the point that I've been out to support it and got sunburned um so yeah no it's but but just you know have different options check the weather but weather forecasts never tell us what's really going to happen but know what your different options are and where possible be able to change them midway so have a top on but that you can take off and throw in a bush and come back later and get or whatever it is and then the other thing to think through is hydration which for most of us probably we haven't been hydrating through the winter unless we've been doing long runs because it's been so cold and you it would just <laughs> your brain freezes at the idea of taking on any liquid when it's that cold but it might well be a lot warmer on race day um, and so you've got even the option of a hydration pack, which people go, oh, do I need that? But maybe you're training towards a marathon as well. And we don't know yet, but there's a high probability that most races this year will be self-supported races, even the likes of the London Marathon or something. You may well have to bring your own kit, your own um, hydration, and everything to that. So it's no bad thing to get in the habit of training with it so that you're ready for it. You might not need it, but you might need it. But so you've either got your little bladders in a in a rucksack on your back or just carrying a bottle. People always have those little round ones. Personally, they drive me nuts. Me so I tend to go with a little bottle if you've got one lying around in the house anyway. I'm not in favour of single use plastics, but um, a bottle that's already going to be thrown out, but use that and then throw it away. Or again, if you have a support team or you can put it in a bush and come back to if you're doing laps or something. So something you can carry, but you don't have to carry for the whole race. Um but yeah, thinking through hydration, which is probably, again, something you haven't had to think through up until now. Um, but then so then that's kind of your big practice race. So you're thinking through what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat before and during if need be. Um, and after, make sure you get a good recovery and afterwards. 
thinking through um, pacing and then mindset as well. So um, thinking through how you're going to keep yourself going when it gets hard. And I think on a virtual race, it's often harder because it, there's, it's that you always get when you're halfway through a race, that strong inclination to go, oh, this just hurts. I just want to stop now. And when there's no crowds there and when there's no people running behind you or in front of you to chase down, it's just so easy to go, well, I could just stop now. What does it matter? So really working on that mindset in advance. What are you doing it for? What is it that's motivating you? Is it because you're raising money? Is it because you want to get faster? Is it because you want to be able to go into the office and tell everybody what you did? or you know whatever so thinking through what does that moment of you finishing the race look like to you paint that visual picture and be able to come back to that be able to say this is why I'm doing it this is why I'm going to keep putting those one leg in front of the other and then there's other tactics that when you start getting tired and you just think I just don't want to be doing this anymore I just want to give up now and just have a little mantra a really short positive little mantra to yourself or just literally I've, I've done it where I'm just counting left right left right that's all I'm thinking one leg the other leg one leg the other leg and just keep yourself going like that and you know we've, you've been talking on the podcast about fart leg runs and you kind of run to that next lamppost and you do that same thing with your motivation you're not I'm not saying start sprinting through your half marathon but just to that lamppost I just need to get to that lamppost and now I just need to get that to that next bench and even though our minds are really really clever they're also quite I don't know silly that we can work like that we just need to set that little mental goal we get that feeling of yes I tick that off I've achieved that okay now I'm on to the next lamppost yeah next that, that's why I love gels yeah. just because I use them I space them out and I before I go for my long long runs that I kind of I, I lay them out on the table and think yeah. right this is mile six mile nine mile, yep. you know and then then I know exactly what, and, it, and it just gives you you just know that you're just, just running breaks to that it down bit. yeah yep 100 percent. yep no and you can also you can you can kind of visualize people talk about imagine at mile six you've got your best friend on that kind of corner there and they're going to be there cheering you on or you know it depends how creative your mind gets and whether that works you or not but kind of just breaking it down and thinking but yes 100% our brain likes to break things down compartmentalize them Mm -hmm. and then tick them off as we go so yeah so practicing all that mental side and then the, the other bit so you've done your longest run which is probably about two weeks out from the race and then you go into your taper and oh, this is what lots of people about. get wrong so <laughs> your taper is not the time that you fit in all the training runs that you missed in the run-up to the training <laughs> in the run-up to the race oh, the, the, the idea of your taper is you go in feeling fresh so it doesn't mean you just sit on your bum and do nothing for the next two weeks because then you're going to go in feeling really flat um, it doesn't mean you eat all the food in the world with mm. a kind of carbo loading, <laughs> um, but you do want to go in with those carbs, carb um, levels full. So you do want to be thinking about just in the sort of day before or whatever you're going to think about making sure you've got some good carb based meals going in. But generally on the taper, you will do. Um, so imagine you've got two weeks to go until race day, the two weeks, the week the week directly before you'll do less, the week before that you'll do a bit more. I haven't explained that very well, but you're cutting down. So you've built up towards your longest run and then you just start slowly coming coming down. You don't want to take out all the speed. It depends on what training you've been doing. You don't want to change anything in those last two weeks. But, you know, in your case, in Holly's week, um, case, you've been doing either your fartlek runs or your hill reps. You don't want to take out the intensity, but you want to do a bit less of it. So if, if Holly was up to six hill reps up the hill, maybe the two weeks out from race day she just do four and uh, the week out from race day she just do two as an example so you're still keeping in that intensity so you don't go into the race feeling really flat but you're you're making sure you feel fresh and then so supposing your longest run 
two weeks out from race day had been about and don't change anything now if you've got something different but around sort of 17k or something then maybe the week out from race day um, you do about 14k or 12k it's really going to depend on what your trainings look like up until then but so you're cutting it down so that by the time you get on that start line you are feeling fresh but you're not feeling completely like I haven't done anything for two weeks some people like to do a little bit openers so the day before or even the morning before 10 depending on what time you're running going out and doing a few little sprints like literally kind of I don't know 200 meter just kind of getting the legs moving not to the point that you feel tired but just kind of reminding yourself because you can start being really sluggish in that taper you can even I used to live in a block of flats and um, I always remember coming up to a big race I'd get out of breath going up the stairs and I'd be like how is that possible I'm tapered I've just trained for an Ironman and I can't walk up the stairs without getting out of breath and it's probably partly psychological um, but partly also the glycogens um, so glycogens the stored form of carbohydrates accumulating in our body um, and so it get, it's that's good it's accumulating in there it's get it, it gets stored along with water so our body feels heavier so we suddenly feel like everything feels heavy but that mm-hmm. that's a good thing I'm not saying we're trying to you know put on loads of weight the few days before the race but it's just that glycogen ac- accumulating in our body which then just makes our body feel that bit heavier and then also we have the kind of um, maranoia that kind of you'll feel every single ache and pain and be just you know you've convinced your legs about to fall off tomorrow and sometimes we need to listen but generally it's just that we're things that we wouldn't even have thought about wouldn't have noticed a few weeks ago but because we've got the big race coming up we suddenly start giving loads more weight to the things going through you know that we can feel going on in our body so sometimes you need to learn to listen to your body but sometimes it's just a matter of saying okay I know that niggle that's fine (laughs) (laughs) and um what about recovery so me and Holly we've done our race we're really chuffed with what we've done and um, that evening, I imagine we might have a glass or two of wine. Um, what should we be doing the week after? I'd say even before the week after. So, yes, 100 percent. I know Holly has got the Prosecco already in the fridge or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but soon, as soon as possible, not not, you know, worrying about it, but I would get in a good protein and carb based recovery whether it's a drink whether it's something to eat you know it could be a tuna sandwich it could be a recovery shake depends what you like but something soon after because remember what you've just done is a race but it's also the biggest training session that you've just done so you want to make sure you recover well from it and you want to get that in before you then get onto the prosecco or whatever (laughs) um so that you get the benefit of it so hopefully you know that this isn't just i've done this race and now i'm not doing anything for the next however many months this is i'm going to take a good break but I'm going to carry on building. So let's make sure we get all the training benefit of that race as a training session as well. So getting that good recovery, recovery based um, drink or food. But then in the following week, I would say do what feels right to you. Um, if and I guess for where we're going to be in March, probably not an option. Yeah, if you could go swimming, um, I think open water swimming can open by then. But whether you want to brave that or not is another matter. But um, if you can go swimming, just really light, easy swimming. If you have a bike, really light, easy. Just getting the body moving. It'll probably feel like the thing you last, least want to do. But um, I run a Monday morning recovery session with people on their turbo trainers because nobody wants to do it because it feels pointless you're going really really easy but we just have a natter and a coffee while we're sitting on our bikes but doing that that just getting the body flushing through getting the body moving is really really good if you can't swim and you don't have a bike still something like maybe a yoga session some mobility stuff just even get on the foam roller but get your body moving um, so that everything doesn't start to lock up but then in terms of when you start running again I would go with how you feel 
but I would say try and get something in before the week is out. Otherwise, it can be really easy to just fall off the horse and, you know, that habit starts to go. Mm. And you've worked so hard to get up to that race day. It's not about trying to build fitness. It's not trying to worry about whatever's coming next, but it's just making sure you don't lose the habit. And you're not going to have to do as much running, depending on what your next goal is. You're not going to probably be doing as much running as you were, but try and not lose all of those, those good habits you've built up. So sort of set yourself a goal of I intend from a week or so after the race is over, I hope to start running once or twice a week, not worrying about numbers, not worrying about anything, but just get that habit back in before you fall out of the habit. And how do we get over the whole, like when we've done the race, I mean, I know that I've fallen prey to this before. Um, you can feel quite sort of down afterwards because yeah. you don't have anything to kind of work towards. And I think that's that makes it quite easy to kind of stop training yep. all together and I'm quite determined to continue training because um well there's another marathon coming up yeah <laughs> um so I want to kind of continue doing long runs but not necessarily at the intensity that I've been doing them yep. but how how do we kind of mentally recover from it to make sure that we're kind of happy it, I mean it's a real thing isn't it it's the same as you you get married and you have your kind of post post honeymoon blues or whatever and you're just mm-hmm. like oh back to real life now um I think if you know what you're training for, so you said in your case, you've got a marathon on the horizon. If you know where you're trying to get to, that's easier in some ways um, because you, you you know where you're trying to get to. So I would ha- start to have an idea, you know, when is that marathon or where, when is the next goal and work back from it. And like I say, give yourself that space once the race is out of the way, unless literally you have to get straight back on with the training. But generally give yourself that space, not just from a physical point of view, but just from a mental point of view, from having your life back, from not feeling like everything is about that training plan that dominates everything that you have to do that week. So give yourself that bit of space but know if I'm planning to do that marathon in x number of weeks work back from there and people always go oh it's 20 22 weeks for a marathon training plan I would always say add in a few extra weeks because you will always miss a run because you got ill because you were hung over because you got injured because you were on <laughs> holiday something happens that means you can't follow that training plan 100% so I'd always add in an extra few weeks to whatever the official training plan is just to give you that flexibility in case you miss some of those more important longer runs Um, But yeah, if you know where you're trying to get to, that almost makes it easier. You start working towards there. If it's something like a marathon, I would still be setting intermediate goals because a marathon in October feels very, very long away right now. Mm -hmm. So I would probably plan to do another half marathon, whether it's a virtual one or a real one or work on your 5k time or your 10k time or something something that means when you sort of go okay now I need to get back in with that training you go but it's only a 5k run is it worth it why am I doing it the marathon's so far away it won't matter if I just give this a miss this week or whatever and then suddenly this week turns into two weeks and three weeks so give yourself some intermediate goals Mm -hmm. and it would be the same for somebody who doesn't have a particular goal coming up it might be that you've had it with running for now and you're going to work on developing your squats or you're going to suddenly pulls the back open and you're going to work on your swimming you know it might be something completely different to swimming sorry to running Mm -hmm. but using that fitness that you've built up and something that ultimately will probably contribute to your running in the long run or if you definitely want to carry on with the running but you haven't got something like a marathon or a half marathon I would still set goals so whether it's about trying to get a better 5k time whether it's just a process goal of saying I'm going to run three times a week because I know I don't really have anything to aim towards but I know how much happier I am I know my mental health is so much better if I get out and do that so I'm going to make sure I just get out the house and do three runs a week doesn't really matter on the numbers or whatever but I'm going to hold myself to account on that so just setting some smaller kind of intermediate goals that are 
are realistic that aren't saying I'm going to try and maintain the fitness I had. People always do a marathon and go, oh, I don't want to lose the fitness I had. I'm like, well, do you want to do all the training you just did? <laughs> no. Right. Well, you are going to lose some fitness. That's fine, though. But let's let's work out what's realistic that you can hold on to going forwards. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's lovely to be at this stage in my life, which is a slightly more sensible stage than I was 20 years ago when I was doing my first half marathons, where I would just, I was only doing the one, you know, I was, I was based in Bath Bend still. And so I would just train for the Bath half marathon and then stop training and then train yeah. for the half marathon and then stop training. And it was so depressing because you'd start the training cycle again. You think, oh, I'm just as bad as I was back at the beginning, back at the beginning. Um, whereas now I want to maintain, you know, my fitness levels and things. Um, and I think it's about asking why you do it. If you do it purely because you want to complete the bath half, then yeah, just train for the bath half. But if you mm-hmm. do it either because you want to get better at running, then consistency is by far the biggest thing that will improve your running speeds. You know, people always, oh, what's the magic speed session I should do? What's the thing I have to do? Consistency mm-hmm. is by far the, the best way to improve performance. Or if you're just doing it because the bath half or, you know, whatever your goal is, gives you that motivation, but you're basically doing it because you enjoy running or because you feel better for running or because you you want to stay healthy in terms of your heart health, in terms of, you know, whatever, then then, yeah, that doesn't stop the minute you've done that goal race. So thinking about why you do it and has that changed the next week? No, then then carry on running, but find what makes you happy. Don't don't do the thing that you hate doing if you don't need to do it. Find what makes you happy and wants you to makes you want to therefore do more of it. And I think this this leads quite nicely into one of the questions that we got. Mm. Um, so uh, Claire has mm. asked, um, what is the optimum length for your longest run before a half marathon I think this is really interesting because she says um in her first one she did 10 miles as her longest run and she cried from mile 11 to the end oh I'm sorry I don't mean to laugh that's so sad and she said in the last one that she did 12k as her longest run so she felt a bit under underprepared yeah um yeah I, I think that's a really interesting one because um I so last year when I did the bath half I was training for the London marathon um and which had been I know that was going to be in April wasn't it of course and um uh, so so my long runs were longer than the half marathon yeah um and it meant that on the day when I did the half um I felt really well prepared and really fit and it was absolutely brilliant apart from a small achilles awfulness that meant that this year what i've done is i've i've pretended that i'm training for something longer so my long runs have been uh, the last two long runs i've done have been longer than half just so that i hit that sweet spot again i don't know if this is going to work or not so yeah i'd be i really interested to know what you think and and your you what you've just said is 100 percent the answer it depends so and I can I can almost see Holly's face and I've never met Holly, but I can see Holly's <laughs> face hearing you say you've done longer than it and her going, but I haven't done anywhere near that. And she's now freaking out. So, you know, there will be people who the half marathon distance is absolutely that that's their kind of ultimate thing to get to. They may well go on and do a marathon in the future, but in terms of where they started, where their running was at and where they need to get to, there is no way that they will have run further than a half marathon. And you do not need to have run further than a half marathon. 
Um, so it will depend on what your base was, how quickly you can build up your training without getting injured in the process to get to that kind of two weeks out from race day, what should you be doing? And for some people, yeah, they'll be running way further than that. Bear in mind, though, in the context of, a, a, with your example, you're training for a marathon, so you'll have been doing that those longer runs, maybe at an easy pace, maybe at something around a marathon pace. Half marathon pace is faster than that. So, so thinking through in those training runs, how fast do I want to run on race day? Am I just going to go on, it should be a bit faster than what I can do normally and it will feel okay? Or do you want to start doing some actual half marathon paced prep sessions? Um, but for, for other people that are trying to just, you know, getting up to the half marathon distance is the challenge in itself, then probably I would say um, that, yeah, that sort of 10, 11 miles prior to race day is about where you want to be. Um, you don't you definitely don't want to or you don't necessarily need to have done the distance you just need to have got to the point where it's all feeling achievable mm-hmm. the reason that she was in tears for those last few miles could be a few different things I wasn't sure whether it was the emotion or the excitement <laughs> of it I think for a lot of people and this becomes a lot more in marathon training in marathon training most marathon training plans only go up to about 32 or 36k mm-hmm. and then people are like but, but 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 I've never run 42k how am I going to be able to do that and it feels like that's stepping over the precipice into the unknown and that's the point at which you have to trust trust in the training trust in the training that it's got you as far as it needs to get to get you in those few weeks of tapering up until the race your body's recovering it's rebuilding stronger you're fresher on race day because you've had that taper so you've got all those you know things in your favor that mean you can go further than you did in that longest train in your longest training run um but but also see it as exciting you know it's not kind of stepping into the unknown it's seeing what you can do seeing what you can produce out of that training um so but so in answer to the question there is no right answer it so depends on what you've done previously where you're trying to get to what your goals are um but generally for most people where a half marathon is is the max distance that they're kind of probably going to run at that point in time it will be yeah about 11 miles or something mm-hmm. um the example that she gave of having run what was it 10k 12k or whatever in, in yeah. training is not ideal partly because you just feel so unprepared but partly because your body when you're training, you're training your body to deal with that micro impact, particularly running. It's a high impact sport. So each footstep you take, you know, you're taking about 180 footsteps per minute. Um, each one of those, there's that load of your body going through your foot, through the bones, through the muscles, through the tendons, everything pound, 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 and, and your stomach going pound, pound, pound with all your food sitting in there or whatever. So it's getting your body used to that. And if you've only done 10, 10, 12K in training, arguably you haven't really got that resilience in your body to then be able to cope with the half marathon you might get away with it this time but I certainly wouldn't recommend it in the longer term because it's just that risk that you haven't built up the strength of your body to be able to 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 yeah to be able to take the strain of doing that full half marathon Mm -hmm. plus all the stuff I said at the beginning of the prep so using those long runs as a race rehearsal um you can't really practice your pacing or practice your nutrition if you've only done a 10k run because you just don't know how your body would behave in that second 10k um i've got another question here but Hmm. this is uh this is about marathon and i want to follow up with one of mine as well um so sarah she is going to be running the london marathon in october um and she says that she normally runs two 5ks in the week and a 10 at the weekend so that's what she's doing at the moment yeah um, I, that to me that sounds just absolutely spot on that's what I do roughly yeah. you know when I'm not in a training cycle that's kind of right yeah um so she says she started to follow a half marathon training plan 
to get up to 13 miles by May. And then she's going to be on a 2022 marathon training plan. I guess, does that mean that she's going to be working towards either 20 or 22 miles as a final long run? I took it to mean weeks. Oh, right. That makes more sense. Um, but yeah. <laughs> she says, is that the sensible thing either. to do? It would be about the same. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. Um, is that, she says, is that the sensible thing to do? Or should she start gradually increasing the time she spends on her feet over her three runs? Yeah. So, no, I thought that I thought her approach was brilliant. I would say just as a quick caveat on the doing five to 10K, uh, two times five and one, one 10K per week. And again, it depends on what your goals are. But if you're looking to improve your fitness, so this is outside of building up to the half marathon, that's just what she's saying she does generally. Mm. There's not much progression in there. And if we always ask our body to do what it's always done, our body will get very good at doing what it's always done, but it won't necessarily get any better at it. So if there's the possibility outside of building up to the races to think about just making that 10K, maybe half a K longer one week, another half K the next week, or making one of those 5Ks again, adding on half K, you know, that doesn't become limitless. And it doesn't mean that, you know, in a year's time, you'll suddenly be doing 20K every time you leave the house or whatever. Um, But if you want to be improving your fitness rather than just maintaining, always thinking, where can I add in a little bit of progression? So that was just a kind of caveat on that part. Mm -hmm. But then in terms of doing the half marathon up until May, the half marathon plan, Yep. And I would say I wasn't sure whether she was planning to or not, but set a goal race for that. So whether it's a virtual race or whether there's a real race, but don't just follow the half marathon plan, mm. have an actual thing that you're building up to, because it's so easy, as as we were just saying earlier, to go, my real race isn't until October. I can leave this run. I can leave that run. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. meant to be doing a long run, but I think I uh, whatever. So have an actual nearer term target that you're working towards. It'll just help to give you that motivation. So so yes, follow the half marathon plan to May, but have an actual half marathon race at the end of it. Um, and then again, um, so building up um, towards that marathon. Yep, if 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 it's following a twenty twenty two week plan, as I say, I would always add in a few extra weeks. So give yourself a little bit of leeway in case it's it's those long runs, the hard long runs that happen towards the end of the training plan. Mm-hmm. If something gets in the way of those, just having a bit of extra space to go to. Um, and then just double check as well. So with the marathon plan, she's planning to do what does that start at most marathon plans probably start at less than half marathon distance so if she's got herself up to i was going to say comfortably maybe not comfortably but up to half marathon distance by may go for a marathon training plan that acknowledges that so don't go for one that's going to start you on as an example 10k a week Mm. because because you're a better runner than that by then so make sure you've found the right training plan for where you're at or just tweak the training plan and go well I was running half marathon or you know up to half marathon distance at the weekend I don't want to suddenly lose my fitness by taking a big step back so maybe I'm going to start that training plan a few weeks in or you know just just check that it's the right plan for you Mm -hmm. um and then just to kind of quickly lay out for other people who, who've got a different approach, whatever your goal is, just make sure you've thought, OK, I need to get to this distance by this date. How am I going to get there? And just work back from there. So allowing for a marathon, I would allow probably a three week taper. So planning for that longest run to be three weeks before race day. That longest run is probably going to be 32, 36 K, depends on how long you know where you're at and how fast you want to build things up. 
and then you'll probably start building up towards race day i normally as i say work in about three weeks on then an easier week then we take it up again and have an easier week but by the time you get to those long runs you're probably doing a long run rest week long run rest week so you're building up when you get closer when you're kind of into the 27k I would then have an easier week the next week and then maybe up to 30k the next week and it's going to depend completely on the individual what their running is what their goal is what their base is what their um how, how likely they are to get injured some people are very much more more injury prone than others so it's you know it's always different in every case but those would be kind of some of the things i'd be thinking about as i built towards it yeah and i guess my question just sort of follows on for that really which is um i wanted to know what the optimum length of that last long run should be before a marathon yeah um because we've already um spoken about the half marathon um so last year um i read something that Catherine switzer wrote and she said that she would always go over 20 just to have the confidence of that mileage in your legs sort of thing yeah um and so I think my longest run before I did it was something like 20.1. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, it's massively about what's in your head. It's you, you've got to feel confident in your head. Um, yeah, it'll be around, oh, this is where I try and do my conversions, around 20. And I'm going to, um, I mean, I would, I take my clients up to either, if, if we've got time, I'll take them up to about 32 then a rest week and then again either another 32 or a 36 and it really depends on whether we've got time how strong they're feeling it would depend on are you doing that run at an easy pace are you doing it at marathon pace are you doing the same sort of approach that i said with the half marathon where maybe you're doing a 4k marathon pace 1k easy 4k marathon pace 1k easy so if we've got time i would generally build people up to kind of a 32 at easy pace so they've just done the time on the feet they've got the confidence of feeling they can run that fast and then if we have time to have another go take a rest week not complete rest week but an easier week and then another one um, we might try it more at those marathon pace intervals and see how that feels but again it depends on the individual and, and with marathons there's such a high risk of people getting injured and we can do lots of things to counter that focusing on recovery doing strength and conditioning making sure we've got a good build that isn't too aggressive doesn't go up too fast that has got plenty of recovery built in there but you know there is still that high risk of people getting injured just because the amount of footsteps we're taking um so um sometimes we might do that long run but we might stagger it so we might do 20k in the morning and 20k in the evening or 20k on saturday evening 20k on sunday morning or something so we're still getting that training and we're getting that training on tired legs but because they are just very injury prone or they've got a niggle that's just not going away and they're treating it but they want to make sure they get the training stressed in that they don't want to be injured by the time they get to the start line we might do something like that or we might practice walk run so for example again run for one kilometer two kilometers walk for 30 seconds or something which is just helping to reduce the risk of injury because your form is going to be better mm-hmm. and that might be again something you want to then consider for race day um, and if, if you are thinking of doing walk run for race day I would always 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 say practice it in training practice it so it feels like a positive thing rather than you know you have the choice of doing that marathon running 30k and walking the last 10k and just feeling miserable and going this is awful I want this to be over or you or you do exactly the same amount of running and walking but you do it from the beginning and you're just doing that 30 
30 second or whatever it is walk and it's in your power and your control it's helped you get through the whole thing and you get to the finish line feeling so much more positive and fresh feel good <laughs> well <done. laughs> um so we've got just a couple more questions yes. um so nikki she wanted to ask about rest days yeah um she says that she hates them so she's she sounds like she is a daily runner yeah um she says she's she dreads recovery weeks and she struggles um because she eats too much when she rests um and her brain goes into binge mode she says um she just loves running every day um she still wants to move um but you know yeah how how does she deal with rest days if she's a a, a sort of twitchy runner (laughs) so so I'm, i'm very familiar with with people like nikki um I would say two things. First of all, what's your goal with running? Are you running because you need to run because you just feel horrible if you don't run? And if it's just I want to run because I want to run, then is running through the rest days doing you harm? If you're always picking up injuries, then you're going to stop yourself having that goal of running all the time because you love running. So there's your answer. You need to take them because you're getting injured. If you're not getting injured, it's not best practice, but maybe it's not the end of the world because because it makes you feel happier. But I would always say if you don't have a rest day, you certainly, certainly want to have an easier day. You want to have a day where it's just a shorter run, whether it's easy pace, whether it's all where it all just feels easy. So you need that feeling of having had that rest mentally and physically. Um, in But then also, if you want to get faster, if your goal for running is getting faster, which I appreciate is not for everybody, but if it is, then think through what we're trying to achieve with that recovery day or recovery week. When we train, we break down our body. And then as we recover, our body rebuilds itself stronger. So it's more able to deal with the next time you kind of ask it to do something. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to get faster, then taking that recovery week, which feels so hard, and I'm guessing from what Nikki said of always being on the go and wants to keep going, she probably does want to be getting faster. If you take that recovery week, your body rebuilds itself stronger and then you come in more able to do your training the next time. So try taking it, respecting it, knowing what it's about. It's about recovery. So it's about, um, and she said, you know, she always binge eats. Well, think about on your rest day, this is about helping your body recover. So think about what's the positive ways you can help your body recover, not just sitting on the sofa twitching and going, I want to go for a run. I want to go for a run. What good foods can you put into your body that are going to help that recovery? So things that are good, you know, high in protein, thinking about all your macronutrients, lots of different colored vegetables. So I never try and say don't eat this because the minute you say don't eat that, people want to eat it. But instead, think about what's good for your body, what's going to help your body with that recovery. And that might help with some of the, you know, you're you're allowed to binge eat on broccoli. Um, (laughs) So sort of thinking a bit like that, but also thinking I'm taking that recovery week or that rest day to help my body build stronger. And whenever I start working with people, most people don't have the structure of putting in those recovery weeks until they start working with somebody who kind of gives them more of a structure. And they quickly see, they get they hate the rest week, but then they see how much fresher they feel the next week. Mm-hmm. And then they get to that point of going, okay, I've worked really hard. I can work harder. I can do more. That By the time they get to say it's the third week of training, they're going, oh, this all feels so hard. I'm ready for my recovery week. And then you start to get that difference and you, you understand why you need the rest week because you've worked harder 
in the other weeks that if you're not as i say if you're not trying to massively progress your training if you're not doing it to get faster and if you're not getting injured in the process definitely have an easier day if if you can as i said sort of swim or cycle or do some strength conditioning or do some mobility or do some yoga so you're still active but you're just giving your your feet that little break from that pounding 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 on the floor great but if 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 you just want to run and if you if you have the discipline to keep it short and easy and it makes you feel better then probably it's not the end of the world oh that's good to know um, <laughs> not that I'm ever going to run like that I don't think. Um, and our, our last question was from Heather and um, that it, this goes back to something that you were talking about earlier on in, in yeah. any case which is about whether and that is that transition into kind of a spring marathon or an autumn marathon so yeah. she says that um that obviously the eight degrees feels really warm after the cold like yeah running in yeah. <laughs> January was pretty gruesome yeah um so she wants to get to a half by early April classic half marathon time marathon time yeah um and she says it could be really warm by then um and this time last year la- last April my goodness it was warm so yeah. Um, and she also says also nutrition do I really need to be topping up at this distance I guess she means uh, does she need to be eating more Um, and so far she says she's made it to 16k felt fine Um, but uh, you know if she goes any further will she run out of steam she's not even carrying water at the moment Um, so so, yeah it's two questions really food and heat Yep. And I think she probably almost knows the answers in the way she's asked it, but she wants to be told she doesn't need to carry water and she doesn't need to fuel. Um, I mean, in the in terms of the weather, yep, be prepared for different options. Like we were saying at the beginning, there's no way of knowing what it'll be on race day, but think through. It seems so long ago since we kind of ran in anything other than 20 layers. So it's so hard to remember what we wore, but do do a race pace run and see how much warmer you feel like i said have some light to curry options things like a a snood or have a jumper you can stop in a bush and come back and reclaim later or whatever so you can start off with something but so you're not having to carry all your layers around your waist for the whole whole race um be aware that you probably might be sweating more things start to chafe a bit more so things like bras if you're running with a heart rate monitor um probably in april not going to be a massive issue but who knows it might be a heat wave so just be aware of you know different things feel a bit different your feet even might swell up a bit more so your shoes feel a bit less comfortable so just kind of as the weather gets warmer think about those things um and then yeah hydration again you can probably get through a half marathon without hydrating but you're probably not going to feel very comfortable and particularly if you are taking on nutrition then you probably just want something to wash it down with um so like like I say it doesn't have to be a gel but something maybe some jelly babies um just something that's going to give you that energy boost as you as you get I mean 16k is probably the point where you're still okay on your body reserves and then the bit after that is the bit that gets miserable when you just feel like you're you're running and there's just no energy in there Mm -hmm. um so yeah I would definitely plan on something I would practice it in that longest run um in the next week or so um and if you you know if you're doing laps from your house is it something that you could have in your front garden you can just grab some water to wash down that nutrition with and then leave it there or can somebody come and meet you or is it something at least you only have to carry for half you know in terms of the water carry for half and then put it in a bin or put it in a bush or something so um i'm not saying littering in a bush something you're going to come and reclaim later um but yeah so so i would be thinking you you can get through a half marathon without nutrition and without water but do you want to get through it or do you want to feel as comfortable as you can and make sure you've got enough fuel in the engine 
Oh, brilliant. So um, I also, so my, my last question yeah. was from me and Holly, and I just wanted to know if you have any final words of wisdom for us as we get to our little nervy stage before, <laughs> before we do the half. How can we prepare so, the best? So in terms of, yeah, in terms of preparing the best for race day, so use your, so you've both got probably a long run coming up this weekend, which is your kind of longest run probably before, mm-hmm. use that to go through all of that dress rehearsal. So know your kit options, you don't know what the weather will be, but have some different options, have thought it through, um, really work on that mindset. We really underestimate the power of the mind and we think that kind of um, sports psychology is just for the pros. But we, we know we all have negative thoughts. We all have that voice saying, I can't do this. Or why am I doing this? I'm not good enough. Or, or I, I just want to give up now, whatever. So work on how you're going to deal with that. Practice it in training um, so that you can really do it on race day without it being a kind of big mental leap to get to. Um, think through your nutrition and just decide what you're going to do on race day so you can practice that again on the long run. Um, and then in the two weeks, don't worry about what you haven't done focus on what you have done you've probably got whether it's strapped on Strava or on your Garmin or whatever it's on look at where you started and how hard that felt and you know we heard from Holly each week going oh my god like my 3k or whatever it's feeling so hard you know we've you've made so much progress in what you've done so far and so focus on that focus on what you have achieved focus on you're doing this because you want to do it and so it's going to be you know see it as a positive opportunity to do um and and be planning that after party (laughs) and then I mean just in terms of race day itself in terms of getting nervous think through things like breathing it's so simple we all know you know if we have to do a presentation or something we get all nervous and we know if we took 30 seconds just to calm down focus on our breathing we feel calmer but we never make that time for it so Mm -hmm. thinking through if you get nervous just you know there's all different breathing patterns you can do but basically just focus on breathing out and breathing in breathe out long slow deep breaths and just think what am I actually scared of like actually what am I scared of how hard can it not how hard can it be it can be hard but how bad can it be really we've got this under control we've been through a hell of a lot of this year we've proved our resilience we've proved what we can achieve so don't worry about it um and yeah focus on on enjoying it oh I think that's lovely because <laughs> <laughs> I hope the sun comes out for you <laughs> oh thank you yeah I think it's I think that's not often said the focus on enjoying it because it it feels so much more because the word endurance gets chucked next it sounds to, very negative doesn't uh-huh, it we've got to endure it does. something you have to, yeah, exactly you have to get through it so you sort of focus on the finish line rather than how you might be feeling kind of halfway around or three quarters of the way around there's even yeah. research just showing if you smile you feel better or your feeling of pain of how hard it feels goes down and if nothing else you amuse yourself and you feel like an idiot going around <laughs> and doing it so it can distract you and hopefully there's another runner coming in the other direction and they see you grinning away and that makes them feel better as well oh the, I think the runner's wave um I think yep. counts for so much in terms yep. of getting you next that you know through that next kind of k definitely have a little thumbs up or a wave yep. or a or a morning from the yep. really sprightly ones um yeah. yeah and then you're like why are you so sprightly but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well I bet you're only doing 5k yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's lo- that's lovely thank you so much for talking to me and thank you for all this advice it's an absolute gold mine can I Thanks can I so do a much. quick oral plug you certainly can 
so um Oro, I work with Oro and they are an amazing training app. And a lot of the stuff I've been talking about today is stuff that I work on with the runners who I write the training plans for. So Oro is like having a PT in your ear. They talk, um, trainers like me write whether it's a strength and conditioning session, a um run session, a meditation, a yoga session, a stretching session. So it's it's your fitness, but it's also your well-being, all different types of fitness and um sort of mental well-being as well and we talk you through the session so you don't have to think about what you're doing we'll talk you through we'll motivate you we'll tell you technique tips and everything um i've written um run plans for them as well so we've got a 5k run we've got a 10k run and we've got a half marathon plan where i talk you through what you need to do so i'll tell you what you need to do in terms of running but all of the things we've been talking about today are things i'll be talking to you as you're running so whether it's about working on your form i love the episode you did with holly on form but there's so much to think about there Mm -hmm. whereas if you've got somebody who every sort of five minutes or so is just staying into your ear think about this imagine you've got a balloon attached to the back of your head giving you that length as you're running it's it means you're you're not having to do the work of thinking i'm sort of talking you through it and then all the nutrition things all of the um mindset things all of that just working on the mindset i'll just be talking to you about that as you go um so that you work on that as you're going so um yeah anybody who is interested in giving it a go we have a code which i'm just looking for so (laughs) if you go to auro.fit you can get a 30-day free trial so you can download my sessions but also any of the other sessions on there um and you'll need the code wr so women's running wr30 for that 30-day free trial so you kind of don't lose anything by giving it a go. I'd really strongly encourage, especially if you need just that little bit of extra motivation or you're kind of thinking, not quite sure what to do with my training next. You just go on the app, flick through, find something you want to do. Um, and one of us will talk you through it. And I'll, I'll put all those details um, in the show notes and I'll probably repeat them in the intro as well. Um, and it's worth um, for anyone that's listening into this. Um, we did also have an Oro guided interval run yeah. um, a couple of weeks back. So you can find that and and give that a go before you sign up as well. Yes. If, if you if you like the idea of that, that was a kind of one off run. But if you like the idea of that, somebody talking you through what you're doing and there's loads of you don't like my voice. There's loads of other people doing the run sessions as well. Um, so yeah I I always just think of it like having a PT in your ear guiding you through what you're doing and sort of making it a bit easier for you because you don't have to think about what you're meant to be doing on that session yeah it's it's a it's a brilliant idea like when I when I go for a long run along the towpath when I see proper runners in quotes when they're running we're alongside... all proper runners if you run you are a proper runner <laughs> yes we are um but when I see them running um those people and they have someone with them on a bike and that, yeah. and I, it feels to me as though Oro is basically the chap on the bike. Exactly. Giving you all the encouragement you need. Yeah, reminding about form. You're absolutely right. Trying to remember to put your shoulders back and your head up. Yeah. And you're kind of 13 miles down is yeah, <laughs> yeah. one to remember. Yeah, so brilliant. But it's the word in, in your ear that you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could have talked to Lucy for days. She knows so much about running. I love the fact that when I first started working at Women's Running, you wouldn't believe the amount of people who said, how can you make a magazine every month about running, when there is just so much to say and so much to find out. Remember to head to www.oro.fit for 30 days unlimited access to Oro using the code WR30 at the checkout. It'll spice up your home workouts no end. 
Meanwhile, don't forget to sign up to our Women's Running membership for our brilliant magazine, along with tons of discounts and freebies for just £8.75 for three months. That's 35% off. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPOD at the checkout and join us. We'd love to have you with us. Happy running. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.